Hi, this is Martin Coburn, and welcome to another podcast from Leadership Inspiration. My whole goal with these podcasts was to provide relevant, useful information to develop the important skill of leading others, to provide inspiration to those people we lead. Now, arguably, one of the most difficult leadership roles you will have in your entire life is that of parenting. And that is the subject of today's discussion. I'm going to introduce you in a moment a lady called Rachel Stock, who has a company called ASD Parent Coach. I met Rachel recently on a program that I was running. I was very inspired by her story. And I thought, wow, I know myself as a father of three kids that, you know, managing I said managing, parenting, not managing, uh, parenting your kids is a pretty difficult task. Um, if you start adding to that, that they, uh, as Rachel likes to describe it, they have learning differences, and she'll get to explain what she means by that, then that certainly adds another layer of complexity. So, Rachel, very, very welcome, first of all. I'm really excited about this conversation. I think there are some direct correlation and messages that are very relevant to people in any kind of leadership role. And I'm sure whether your children uh, have these learning differences or not, there's going to be some really relevant information for them. So thank you for taking this time out to join me this afternoon. Thank you perhaps for having you... me. Pleasure. Um, so perhaps maybe start by telling us a little bit about uh, what your what your business is about. Yeah. So so um, ASD Parent Coach is um, all about empowering parents to help their children. Um, so it's providing parents with the strategies and uh, techniques um, that aren't necessarily taught to parents when they are when they have young children. Um, uh, to to help with things like uh, behaviour, um, uh, you know, outbursts, sensory overload, uh, mm. learning learning styles. So it's yes, just sharing the techniques that I've learnt uh, with parents. Okay, fantastic. And of course, you know, yes, I noticed myself that parenting or having kids doesn't come with an instruction book. Um, you're suddenly literally one of those situations where you're straight in the in in the deep end. And you're kind of having to work it out as you go along. And yeah, I think none of us of know us, what we're doing. Yeah. No, and and <laughs> and each of us uh, have this little mantra in our head where we say, "I am definitely not going to treat my kids the way that my uh, parents <laughs> parented me." For whatever reason, That's I right. don't know. No That's disrespect right. to our parents, but we all say that, and we all inevitably end up actually that becomes the default uh, way of uh, you parenting. Know, none of us are perfect, uh, no. and uh, but but you'd want to do your best by your child, and yeah, and exactly. I exactly. And I, and I think even for, uh, you, as you said, parents who have um, uh, neurotypical uh, children, it's, it's difficult enough, let, them, let alone if you have uh, neurodiverse yeah. children. Yeah. So perhaps maybe that would be a good place to start because, uh, you know, just to, to sort of understand what actually gave birth to this, what was your inspiration uh, behind setting up this business in the first instance? Yeah, so so my son, my eldest, uh, Harry, was diagnosed with autism aged four. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of noticed, you know, a year, year or so beforehand that there were, uh, you know, things that were different about him, um, you know, when looking at his peers and, and, and children his age. But 
um, there wasn't very much support uh, in sort of, you know, developmental um, uh, progress, uh, apart from the health visitors that would just say, oh, you know, that's all right. It all happens at different times. Um, you know, uh, don't worry about it. But mm -hmm. uh, but I, I deep down, I knew something was going on. So um, uh, luckily, my cousin worked uh, with autistic children. She explained the process uh, to me and we took him. We, we got signed up with a paediatrician and uh, took him for an assessment um, and he was diagnosed. But the paediatrician said to me at the time, you're going to have to research this yourself because we don't have the funding to provide you with any support. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that's so what for, I did. So there was some support in place for, as you describe, these neurodiverse uh, children, but not necessarily um, support for the for the parents, even less support for the parents. Yeah, I just think even in nursery, they didn't really know what to do with him. You know, it was all about what he couldn't do rather than what he could do. Right. Um, and I just don't think those strategies are in place for those children that don't fit in the box, you know. Um, so right. I, I decided, you know, and, and at the time when I was approached by the, uh, you know, by the nursery and said, you know, how do you how do you think your child is developing? You know, it was the special needs area. And I, I really think that whole the language that is used uh, around special needs and disorders, you know, none of it is particularly helpful. So yeah. I love the term neurodiversity. That is that is my term. And that's the term that I use, you know, within within my business, neurodiversity and learning differences. Because everybody is amazing, special, different. That's, again, another term that I use. Every child is amazing, special, different. But so they all have I different... Just, so if I understand that right then, Rachel, what you've done is you've taken the what is called, my understanding is, autistic spectrum disorder. That's right, yeah. And you've kind of ordered that in a different way. You've, 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 you've presented it as, what do you call it? Amazing, special, different. Amazing, special, different, which mm. is a fantastic distinction. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a disorder. It's different. That's right, and that's a very important distinction. Yeah, it's just that the the a lot of these um, kids will have strengths in other areas. So, for example, uh, your neurotypical child will be really sociable, have loads of friends, you know, but might struggle in maths. Whereas another child will be really bright and really thrive in maths will find it really difficult to mm. you know develop friendships it's just differences and just difference yeah just differences that's all yeah it. in fact yes i actually remember in my early training as a facilitator i was doing some work around what is called accelerated learning or whole brain learning and i came across this author called howard gardner who uh, argued very strongly that when we describe intelligence for example we tend to describe intelligence as someone who is, you know, mathematically bright or linguistically bright, um, but it doesn't uh, cater for all the other forms of intelligence. And he came up with this term called multiple intelligences. And his distinction was, it's not how intelligent you are, it's how you are intelligent. So I totally we're agree. all intelligent in different ways. Absolutely. Take dyslexia. There's lots of uh, well-known, um, you know, uh, scientists, uh, inventors that were that are 
dyslexic um, and they generally have you know strengths in creativity you mm. know painting artists you know so again that there needs the, the education system needs to play better towards mm. those learning styles whereas Absolutely. my my angle really is to help support the parents to better understand how they can help their children mm. early on uh, in the early years um, uh, so that they can then uh, educate the, the the school system of what works for their child wow. you know okay. at some point at some point you know things will change in schools and they'll have better you know when the funding increases and everything mm. but right now I think we need to empower parents uh, because not only will that encourage a better relationship between the parents and the children the parents will better understand how the children you know, um, uh, mm. understand the world and perceive the world, but also then parents can help the schools um, and help them better understand how to, uh, you know, uh, better help their children in school. Because I, I seem to remember you saying that you chose not to put Harry into what is called a special needs yeah. school. You decided I mean, I, not to do that. Now, when he was diagnosed, uh, lots of people, both professionals and, uh, you know, friends, uh, suggested that I, I look at, into uh, uh, specialist schools for him. Um, and it, whether it was gut instinct or intuition, I just felt that I didn't, I wanted him to have something to aspire to. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to give him the best possible chance to develop Um uh, within society so I decided you know we've had our challenges but I decided to put him into mainstream school we've had our challenges but nothing that cannot be mm. um, you know uh, supported uh, once you know how to support okay um, yeah. well maybe we'll get into some we'll get into some sort of uh, tips and strategies and some of your learnings um, that I think will be very useful but just before we do that um, when I when I hear the term autistic spectrum, and I think that's a term that people say, oh, this person's on the spectrum. Could you just maybe clarify for our listening audience, these terms like autism, Asperger's, ADHD, um, you know, we hear about low functioning, high functioning. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, I you understand. Know, it's, very, it's quite confusing um, yeah. to, to know what, 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 what does it all mean? What, what would be a simple way of explaining that thing that people call the spectrum? It can be very, very confusing. There's so many different terms. So I'll start off with the neurodiversity term is kind of the umbrella for learning differences, the way, the different way in that the brain functions. Um, with that, with, within that, uh, under that umbrella is um, what you call the different uh, conditions. So you have um, uh, autism. And when you talk about autism, you, there is the autistic spectrum. So at the high functioning end uh, of the autistic spectrum, there is uh, um, Asperger's, or, uh, which is uh, can can represent sort of high intelligence, but uh, an inability to uh, build uh, and sustain social. good relationships. Right. Yeah, social, okay. social interaction. Uh, at the opposite end of the spectrum is the classic and severe autism, which is uh, uh, displays with sort of non-verbal, um, uh, severe sort of uh, behavioural uh, issues. 
Uh, and and they can some you know find it difficult to uh, uh, function in society, um, uh, but ADHD and OCD uh, things like that they're just different conditions. So ADHD is um, uh, uh, can be it can impact their focus, uh, attention, concentration, um, and 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 can uh, include hyperactivity. Because ADD is the same, but without the hyperactivity. Right. Okay. Um, OCD is sort of obsessive, obsessive thoughts behaviors. Mm-hmm. and behaviours. Yeah. Um, so yes, the so neurodiversity is sort of the umbrella. There's a lot of talk within the workplace about neurodiversity. What I'm trying to do is get the neurodiversity term into parenting and. Uh, right okay you know, is that early, term not, early years I've, yeah I've heard I've heard a lot of um you know being a facilitator and designer of programs I've had uh I remember one lady contacting me actually saying to me how neurodiverse will the material be which came as a bit of a surprise <laughs> but um and and she was had a very, very interesting conversation with her about how she prefers to learn um which I thought was yeah uh, entirely appropriate and certainly made me think I mean I've, I've as I said before I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in that the brain will absorb information and make sense of the world in various different ways and that yes. might be you know it might be mathematics it might be music it might be movement you know it might be thinking you know intrapersonal it might be interpersonal speaking with others so yes if um- we can find multiple ways uh, then, you know, we're going to be more successful. One of the phrases that uh, I particularly liked from one of the authors was that there is no such thing as a resistant learner, only a inflexible teacher. I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and, you know, these kids want to learn and, and, and we're trying to make them learn in ways that they don't understand, mm. um, which... So we then, exacerbate the problem. Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, I, I know that you've you've um, uh, studied NLP and, and stuff mm. like that. You know, it's all about how we perceive, isn't it? Perceive the world, how we take in information. So whether we're auditory learners, kinesthetic, which is mm. feelings and touch and, and yeah, visual. Somatic, yeah. So we need to cover all of those areas within the uh, education mm. system. And I think the one that's missing most actually is the kinesthetic you know, the, um, the ability to learn while you're, uh, moving. Um, mm. obviously kids are always sat down. <laughs> you get some of these kids that are just bouncing yeah. around all over the place because so yeah. they need to learn while they're moving. So what kind of support do parents need to feel empowered to help their children? <clears throat> well, I think, um, First of all, they, you know, they need to uh, look at, we need to look at what the, uh, is, you know, a particular uh, challenge for them at, at, at home. Um, what, what are they finding difficult? Um, and then, uh, you know, we look at strategies to help them better manage uh, those difficulties. So, for example, um, you know, you might have a child who, who uh, displays outbursts, uh, aggression, um, uh, meltdowns. Um, this could often be be due to um, either feeling uh, uh, like a lack of control 
Uh, they're not giving any control, being given any, con uh, mm. you know, enough control in the decision making. But also, it can be sensory overload, uh, can be to do with dietary uh, sensitivities. So there are many reasons and many causes for this kind of behaviour. And what we do is we just look at look into what the possibilities could be, and then we provide interventions for those possibilities. Um, okay. So we can work with diet, we can work with exercise, we work with behavioural techniques. Okay, so maybe what would be some what would be some sort of tips that you would offer? Maybe if you could just sort of, uh, I mean, anyone listening to this and thinking, yes, well, you know, I did wonder about my child whether or not you know, their learning differences extend to the spectrum that you're uh, speaking about. I mean, you did quote me. I'm sure when we were doing a sort of preparation for this, quite a large number of kids uh, are thirty percent. Thirty percent. Thirty percent of thirty percent of kids in schools have a learning difference. That is that is a shockingly not shocking. I want to say it's a shocking, but surprising is a better word. Surprising number. Yeah, it is a huge number, and. Wow. Um, and uh, you know, but 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 that's okay, and it, and and that should be ex acceptable. That's okay. Mm. Uh, all it means is that we need to tailor um, uh, the learning strategies to, to you, towards that thirty percent. Do you think uh, you know the education system is equipped to do that? Does it? Does it? No. Is that, it's not. No, not in your experience, not at all. They, you know, it's not the school's fault. They, they haven't got the funding. You know, there isn't enough people uh, involved that are experienced enough to understand about all the different the learning differences, whether it's that they don't have personal experience or whether there's just not enough of them to go around. You know, there's just mm. uh, and that there's not the funding for the for the um, for the equipment right. uh, or the, or the time it would take to to give that additional support to those to those children so right. they, they they basically what the way it works at the moment is the most severe children uh, get the attention but the ones who are maybe not so there's they're struggling slight you know a bit mm -hmm. uh, they need a bit more support and they need uh, you know some some different kind of guidance and support just get left by the wayside because there just mm. isn't the, the the support there for them. Um, hence the, the your particular uh, your your business, if you like. Um, and yeah. and this is not just a sort of um, you know oh I've I've, I've learned a few things along the way. Um, yeah. I picked up a few things in parenting Harry, and here it is. You've actually done quite a lot of study. Yeah, understanding. I I started just my, my passion grew for, for neurodiversity as I started reading about it when when Harry was diagnosed. And I haven't stopped reading, reading, researching, studying since, really. Mm -hmm. That was eight years ago uh, wow. now. Um, uh, so, yes, I've, I've picked up a lot, a lot of tips, but I've also, you know, I've got mm. a, a, some 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 qualifications and stuff in it as well. So OK, well, it's very obvious to me, Rachel, that you've spent you know, the, a long time researching. And as, as I've spoken to you before, it's a, it is a massive passion of yours. I just wonder if for the listener, if you could just maybe provide some, what are the some practical things that, that anyone listening to this with children with these learning differences, what can you kind of pass on in the short time we have uh, today? Typical sort of symptoms, if you like, and then how do you how would you go about uh, dealing with those? What would be the best um, approach? 
So, so one of the most interesting and, and one of the uh, strategies that I use the most uh, currently, and parents just can't believe it works, um, is, is sometimes it's very difficult to get uh, your child to do what you want them to do. And, and sometimes, generally, yeah, but even more so when it comes to children that have... I got uh, free like that when I did when they were younger anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so one of the interesting techniques that um, uh, parents seem to seem to love and 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 and, and feedback to me that it, it works is um, when you're trying to get your child to do something, you know, and they're kind of running around and, and not really listening. Um, like most you, kids, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you bend you bend yeah. down, <laughs> you look them in the eyes, and you, you you use your fingers. So you give them two options. You say, okay, so first we're going to brush our teeth, and then we're going to put our pajamas on. Um, so what are we going to do first? And you get them to repeat it to you. Um, right. And then once they've repeated it to you, uh, then you go and do it. So the right. fact is you're making eye contact, you're on their level and you're giving them the two options. And, and you can even get them to choose which one they want to do, do first. first. The right. point is, is that you're giving them the choice right. uh, and then they feel like they're So does having control. the choice taken away from them then? does that create resistance absolutely, absolutely. right yes I yes see. without a doubt so that free will is live and kicking absolutely and suppressing that causes more resistance that's really yes. interesting yeah yes yes mm. absolutely so it's getting two options that you want them to do but giving them the choice to do it which right. one they want to do excellent okay well that's that sounds i mean straight away i i can see how that uh is applicable and in fact you know remembering the this is about leadership. I, I can certainly see that when, you know, people who like autonomy uh, and want to be free from the direction of others, the more you feel you're restricting them from that, then that is likely to create an adverse response. So there's definite, um, I can see how that uh, would work. So yeah, what other other thoughts do you have? So another one of my favourite strategies was actually developed by Dr. Thomas uh, Fellin, uh, who's a registered clinical psychologist. And there is a book and a website, but um, but I sort of coach my parents through this uh, strategy. It's called One Two Three Magic, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the important thing about this strategy is that you give the child the choice again. So right. if you're asking them to do something, they're not listening you count one, then you go to two, then you go to three. And if they haven't done what you've asked them to do, you just very gently guide them to their bedroom and let them have some time out. Um, Now, this strategy is widely used with parents, but the mistake that is made quite often is that it's not kept consistent. So my coaching coaches them through this program, helps them to keep it consistent so that they get the child to behave and self-regulate their emotions rather than kicking off. You know, the the one, two, three helps them to uh, recognize that actually if I if I don't do this, uh, I'm going to go to my room or I'm going to have time out or whatever you want to call it. But you've got um, to be, the key thing is though, you're saying is you've got to be very consistent in doing that. And if you do it one day, be ongoing. Do it another, right. Yeah. 
And it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're out, whether you're in. I hear that a lot of parents ask me, well, what do I do when I'm outside? I can't very well do. You can. And uh, it's about applying that strategy to wherever you are. But it's not about just making life easier for the parents. It's about helping the child to self-regulate and to understand that if, um, you know, the, the instructions aren't followed or the guidance isn't followed, then there will be a consequence uh, mm. to to that behavior so and the flip side of that if i if i do it is there a reward yeah i mean you can use you know, you know one of the things praise we, or whatever exactly yeah. exactly one of the things we use is is uh you know we know how much kids love their technology these days so you know if 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 um say they're kicking off when they when they go to their room you can take a few minutes off their technology time if they mm. follow through and they're compliant you can add some minutes on mm. to technology time it's all about you know but but uh you know uh, uh, appropriate um consequences mm. uh, uh, and and kindly delivered you mm. know it, it, from a parent's point of view rachel does it i imagine if you've got uh, you know we we all know we all like to think that we're very patient um mm. with our kids and you know kids at the best of times test your patients i think they test they your do. own emotional you're talking about absolutely the emotional control of uh, of the child can, we yeah. have to control our own emotions so yeah when they're being highly emotional yes when they're really kicking off as you say or potentially even lashing out yeah uh, throwing a complete you know i mean i'm assuming complete that wobbly <laughs> what yeah the complete wobbler here but i'm assuming this is um not just normal you know uh child uh behavior but is out of proportion to the size absolutely. of the event here right absolutely so how do, how does the parent <clears throat> what what can they do to regulate their own kind of emotions in that moment well um uh, mindfulness is becoming um a lot more uh widely um uh, accepted in today's society i would definitely recommend you know, daily mindfulness practice. And it doesn't mean to say that you have to sit and meditate for half an hour. It's just mm -hmm. about practicing being mindful throughout your day. That creates a space uh, between you and your reactions, your thoughts, sorry, and your reactions. Um, so the more you practice mindfulness, uh, the bigger that space gets. So absolutely, I would, I would, uh, you know, there's the whole sort of take you know, take a deep breath, count mm. to 10, walk away, all of those. But if you want to develop um, uh, a better strategy for emotional regulation, then mindfulness is, is the way to go. So what you're, what you're saying is, uh, and, and that's a big part of what we do in the power up is, is, is to, if you've done the brain training before, yeah. when the trigger comes, you're better equipped to be able to stay in a calmer response Absol in that moment yeah, yeah. there's absolutely okay. no point mm. in in getting to the point and then going to do you know the point of explosion and then going no. to do your mindfulness <laughs> no <laughs> that, no, that no, doesn't no, no. work you know that's no. the work but yeah lots of lots of practice and when you get to that moment you're better able to regulate your yeah. emotions yeah and, and that is actually a, a brings on to another point um around being able to build new neural pathways in the brain if someone has a particular way of behaving that becomes yes. a learned behavior it becomes conditioned um same trigger same response yes. now what we do know about the brain it has this amazing capacity to uh relearn through Absolutely. something called neuroplasticity 
as a, a neuroscientist will tell us about that. What yes. can you say about that in terms of um, helping well, these, the children? All these strategies that we help parents with, that's what they do. They, if you if you keep them consistent and you keep them as part of your daily you know routine, they help to uh, create new neuro pathways so that and which creates um, behavior change. Um, so absolutely, uh, I totally agree with, you know, children have that in abundance, um, the, the ability to create uh, new neuro pathways. And as parents, we can help them do that by mm. giving them the right stimulus. So anything, anything around that that you can, can anything other tips around that area in terms of you know what sort of what sort of you know, maybe give some practical examples of the sort of things that kids would do how parents would typically respond uh and you know you started off the call earlier on by saying parents inadvertently can create can exacerbate make the problem worse by their own Absolutely. behavior yeah i mean i mean one of the main daily routines I suppose that, that that anybody parents children um can develop it, it is daily exercise I mean mm. exercise nourishes neuro pathways we all mm. know that right we, we know that it it uh you know um releases uh, serotonin and dopamine which nourishes the brain um stimulates neuro pathways so again, you know, my background's in nutrition and, and fitness. We we develop a daily exercise plan. I say mm. to lots of parents, at least 10 minutes every hour of doing some form of, of, mm. of, of exercise mm. um, it, it, in, in a positive, you know, very positive way mm. so that the child not only is uh, 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 exercise and nourishing uh, those, those neuro pathways, but also is, pos- you know, taking in those positive hmm. uh taking in some positive okay. language at the same yeah. time yeah. yeah okay actually that's another point um around language what sensitivity i mean the language we use for children i would have yes. thought is quite quite important as well um <clears throat> what it is because it, the language that we use obviously then um you know the ch- children pick up on um so yeah trying to keep language positive but also you know some i mean you you teach about this martin uh, uh, and and help me to understand a lot better about it as well is in the, about mindset you know some some uh people just have fixed mindsets and some other people have have uh, growth mindsets and it's about us as parents developing our child's mindset to help them become uh, that growth mindset rather than the fixed mindset and that that can be done through through language and the way that we the way we, that we speak to our children mm. yes it's, it's the whole classic um i can't do that um that's true you can't do it yet yes it, it's the yet it's the key thing uh, yes. but if you describe the world as i can't do it yes um, they very quickly give up and they learn they learn i i think the whole thing that sits behind a growth mindset is the willingness to fail. It's yes. the willingness to get something wrong, the willingness for it not to work. That's and right. And I think that's what the studies have said, is that the children that had a growth mindset on particular things, they were they saw getting things wrong. I don't like to necessarily call it failure, but that would be one word you might use to describe it. But they saw that as an ex- all part of the experimentation process. It didn't bother them. 
Whereas if you're putting your energy into avoiding failure, that then in, in turn creates a very strong, you know, fixed uh, mindset because you, your your main goal is not to get it wrong. Yes. So how on earth can you learn something if you're too concerned about making mistakes? That's um, right. That's um, right. And and it's about us, uh, you know, helping our children to understand that mistakes are are fine. They're mm. they're the way that we learn and the way that we get better. Yeah. Um, so and, the, the, this has been this has been really interesting. I mean, I'm sure we could probably go on for a, a lot longer, and there's more things we can uh, we could cover. But ha, ha, tell me a little bit about this. Uh, this you've got a, a five step program of support or something. Maybe just describe that very briefly. Yes, sure. So um, it's a five step program. Um, so the first step is uh, looking at behaviour. So what what is the parent struggling with at the moment that that uh, where they need the support so that we can look at strategies to help them um, uh, with that. Uh, we then look at diet because, as we know, diet impacts behaviour. Um, you know that's a fact. We all, we all know that. And there's a lot of research now coming out about the microbiome and how certain foods can, um, or sort of certain compounds can can move into the bloodstream and affect the brain. So uh, we look at that as well by doing sort of food sensitivity. Uh, investigation um, uh, through Very food diaries. Yeah. Through, through food diaries, mm-hmm. um, looking at exercise, so um, can uh, provide uh, tips uh, for different types of exercise to do during the day to help balance out sensory processing, um, and, but also just for general health and brain mm-hmm. nourishment, as we were talking about before. Um, uh, then mindfulness, I can teach the parents for their own benefit but also so that they then can teach their children so we've got mm-hmm. lots of little techniques uh, for th- for for okay work, what you mean things they can do together yeah things okay. that they can do together mm. um uh, which again you know nourishes that parent child relationship uh, and then learning strategies so different strategies for the different types of learners visual kinesthetic uh, auditory uh, and there's some great little uh, um, strategies that you can use to help sort of dyslexic children uh, retain spell- spelling more easily um, through NLP. Right. Very good. Uh, so there's a, a yeah. range of different things there. Yes. Yes. And they engage with you uh, on a on a weekly basis, or yeah. Self- so there's a six week coaching package that right. uh, that. Okay. But I offer an initial free chat to sort of get to grips with exactly what's going on. You know. So there's a uh, so they can contact me via my website, which is uh, asdparentcoach.co.uk. There's a contact form there, or they can just email me directly. At help at asdparentcoach.co.uk fantastic well that's uh, been really enlightening i'm as i said i'm sure this is a uh, an area that uh, we could um unpick further it it does um i was thinking actually as we were speaking it'd be quite useful to do uh, a short webinar on this and have people call in and ask questions oh wow i think that would be amazing uh, that would i'd be love really, to do that that would bring bring it to life even more so uh, but thank you, Rachel, for today. I'm sure as people are, thank are you listening for having to me, this, Martin. I'm sure people are listening to this are thinking, um, you know, whether I have, uh, you know, a, a child with your uh, description of learning differences, which I love rather than learning disorder. That's one for everyone yeah. to take yes. away to eliminate that language. Yes. Uh, but they can apply, you know, because they're very, very applicable. Parenting, 
as I said, the, the top of the show is one of the most difficult leadership roles. Uh, I, I know I've probably been taught more by my children um, in <laughs> in attempting to lead them. Absolutely. Uh, to, uh, you know, so yeah, you learn a lot about yourself. You do. You learn more about yourself from those people that provide, I say, resistance you know, yes. so you learn. If it was just easy, you don't learn anything about yourself, but you learn right. a lot more from yourself when it's more difficult. So you're so right. Um, you're so yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's made you more wholesome as well. Yes. So, thank you, yeah. Martin. Yeah. Thank you Excellent. for having me. That's Enjoyed it very much. Yep. Thank you very much indeed. All Cheers. right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.